What's going on, everybody? I'm pretty sure you missed me. Tattoos and touchdowns. It's your boy, Chris Espo. On a Monday, uh, I skipped last week. So much happened last week that I really wanted to just evaluate everything. That's the one beautiful thing about the offseason in any sport. You get to evaluate. You get to play the what-if game. You get to make paper champions and write everything down and see what the deal is. But uh, I, I could wait no longer. There's a couple of things that have... Well, one major thing that has infuriated me, uh, one thing I want to touch on as far as uh, what it could mean, and one final destination for one guy. So, without further ado, Peyton to Denver. Peyton Manning has found his new home. It's with the Denver Broncos. I applaud the Denver Broncos for this move. It is It it's, makes sense on a business level. It makes sense on a team level. It's just an all-around smart move. Uh, I understand he's 35. I understand he's had a couple of neck surgeries. I understand everything with that. But when your comparison, when your other alternative on that team is either Brady Quinn or Tim Tebow, I'll take a guy like Peyton Manning with no neck and hope for the best. I'm a little confused by the move on Peyton's standpoint. Peyton had it made when it came to, to going to Tennessee. He, had, he could have written his own check there. He could have went to Arizona, but Arizona kind of pulled out. When I said he was going to go there, he pulled, they pulled out with the Kevin Cobb. Uh, you know, they picked up his option for $7 million. That kind of said, all right, we're done. We're not touching that. Peyton, go where you want. And even San Francisco came out of nowhere. And San Francisco shot themselves in the foot with this because as terrible as Alex Smith is, he's still a serviceable quarterback. I understand it's Peyton Manning, and I've said on many an occasion, if I have a chance to get a guy like Peyton, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and now all of a sudden Eli, if I have a chance to get that guy, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that guy. So San Francisco kind of pushed Alex Smith to a point where he, in his mind, he's saying, well, I don't have to be here if I don't want to be here. With the additions that San Francisco has made with that receiving core, which I spoke about last week, Adding Peyton Manning would have all but assured them at least an NFC Championship game. But, lo and behold, none of these things happen. Now San Francisco is scrambling, hoping that Alex Smith will come back. More than likely, I think he's going to wind up going to either Miami or coming back, but in a lesser role. I, Jim Harbaugh is apparently in love with Colin Kaepernick, who is the backup out of Nevada. But, again, a, a non-proven quarterback. I understand he didn't get a chance to really play last year, but when it comes to a team like San Francisco, now San Francisco fans, they know winning. All right, the, In the 80s, they had Montana. Uh, the end of the 80s into the early 90s, they had Steve Young, Bill Walsh. They had, they had amazing lineage. And they went through such a drought that when fans see the weak division that they're in, this is a chance to win now. Colin Kaepernick is a chance to win in five years if Harbaugh can work his magic with him. And I, I, I applaud and I, I, I like the fact of former NFL quarterbacks becoming NFL head coaches. And the reason why I do is mainly because they, they follow the same path as a catcher in Major League Baseball. If a catcher is you know an amazing catcher, Mike Sosha comes to mind. They usually have a beneficial role as a manager to a team. Joe Girardi's won a World Series. Joe Girardi micromanages, but he's won a World Series. Mike Sosha's won a World Series. The, the, 
the catchers who become managers, nine times out of ten, they succeed. So to see the quarterback, it's just almost like a shortstop also. You, you know, you want the, the quote-unquote the quarterback of the team to, to, to lead you. And to have a guy like Jim Harbaugh to be able to step into this role and say, all right, let's do it. You know, you're my team, you're my guys. He knows how to get it done. He was a very good rah-rah type of college coach. And now he, he had San Francisco drinking the Kool-Aid last year. So it can only benefit a guy like Colin Kaepernick to have a coach like Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh and Manning would have clashed a little too much, and I had put them in my top six. But listen, it's, that's all hearsay now. It's hindsight. And Peyton is in Denver. And the, re- the ramifications of Peyton being in Denver is, uh, I'm going to get to, to Timmy T in a little bit, but the luck train is getting very, very thin in Indy now. With Peyton moving to whatever team he was going to move to, it kind of paved the way for certain guys who were going to stay Peyton Manning loyalists. And I'm talking, I'm talking players here, not coaches. Players abandoned ship. Now, Jeff Saturday went to Green, to Green Bay, and Joseph Adai is still a free agent. Dallas Clark is on the verge of not being on the team anymore. Reggie Wayne wound up re-signing. So that's one guy whoever Indianapolis decides to draft, which is probably going to be Andrew Luck. I'm 95% positive that they're going to take Luck. That's going to be his one security blanket. So there are certain guys that are, like I said, a Peyton Manning loyalist that only want to be with him. And Denver is going to reap the benefits of that. Now, getting Joseph Adai isn't going to be that tremendous. Number one, he's injury prone. Number two, Denver already has a very crowded backfield. Willis McGahee and Noshan Moreno are serviceable. And Moreno went down with an injury and, and McGahee stepped up big time. So... I don't know how that's going to go over real well, but picking up a guy like a Dallas Clark could only be a benefit. But even if they don't do that, even if even if Denver doesn't pick up any guy who said, I don't want to play for this team anymore, I want to play for Peyton Manning, even if that doesn't happen, Denver is planting bombs in, in certain clubhouses. Number one, he, he planted a bomb in Indy with this. And John Elway I'm talking about. And number two, John Elway decided he's going to walk right in and plant a bomb and a half in the Jets' locker room. All right? If you if you watch TV, it doesn't even matter if you watch sports anymore. You know who Tim Tebow is. And if you've listened to my show, for those of you who have listened from the beginning, you know I loathe this man. But as a sports journalist, I'm going to actually be nice today. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm only going to talk about it on a standpoint of a sports person looking, you know, sports reporter looking in on a team. <clears throat> now, as a, for a move like this, it, it, what the deal was is Tim Tebow and a seventh round draft pick went to the Jets in exchange for a fourth round and a sixth round. The trade almost didn't happen because there were some money issues involved, and you knew it was going to happen. It was just it was just really just crossing your T's and dotting your I's for a little bit. So it happens, and Timmy T is now part of the New York Jets, and I everybody knows I'm a Jets fan, so it is very hard to be, you know, follow the straight and narrow on this one. But the press conference was today, and I really didn't get a chance to see it. I was working, so. 
from what I've heard, he said all the right things. And honestly, did you really think he wasn't going to say the right things? Did you think he was going to come into this press conference and start, you know, throwing around words that I'm better than Sanchez, I deserve to be a starter? And No. He's going to do the right thing. He always has been. I, as much as I hate the guy, he's, he says and does the right things. He's a team player. The problem with this is, is you just signed Sanchez, the Jets I'm talking about, to a pretty lucrative extension. Was that to pacify him? Or was that to say you're our quarterback? If it was to say you're our quarterback, you don't trade for Tebow. And if it's just to pacify him, you could have done a lot of different things with that $30 million. You could have traded Sanchez if you wanted to. There's a couple of teams that could use him. Jacksonville is one of them. I feel I'm 75-25 on this. And 75% I'm leaning towards is a bad trade. Uh, the aforementioned Mark Sanchez is one reason why I feel it's a bad trade. The other reason why I feel it's a bad trade is it's going to directly affect everybody around this team. As a, as a Jets fan, and I'm not even using myself, I'm talking about in general, a Jets fan. You have from now until week one to badmouth Mark Sanchez and praise Tim Tebow or vice versa. But please understand, the second week one hits and Mark Sanchez throws three incomplete passes, the chant for Tebow is going to be obnoxious. And I've said before, New York is one of the hardest places to play sports in. You're under the microscope constantly. Sanchez, Mr. GQ, is already under the microscope constantly. You're going to add this man to this team? Why would you take this deal? The only way you take this deal is if you already had in your mind that, yes, Tebow is going to be our starting quarterback. And I'm tired of hearing the nonsense of, well, Tony Sperano is the new offensive coordinator for the Jets. He ran the Wildcat. So that means Tebow's going to run the Wildcat. Listen, you really only want... If you're going to... If Tebow is as good as everybody says he is... And listen, he has a lot of really good qualities. Do you really want to have him only in the game for 15 plays? Do you really want to take Sanchez out for 15 plays? Say you're in a rhythm. Sanchez is in there. He's... 10 for 12 in the, fir in the first half going into halfway through the second quarter. And he's buzzing. He's got everybody. He's hitting everybody. Santonio Holmes. He's hitting Dustin Keller. It's moving the ball. You're going to stop that momentum. You're going to derail that train. And you're going to bring in Tebow? For what? What does that solve? It's a lot easier to game plan for Tebow if he's only going to be in for 15 plays than it is to game plan for Tebow if he's going to be in for the whole game. And teams saw that last year when Denver used him as a regular, as their starter. Hell, asked Pittsburgh. Okay? He, if you keep him in for an entire game, and you, you let him throw 15 times a game, and you let him run 25 times a game, that's a big chunk of your offense. Teams have to really figure out what are they going to do next with him. That's why I, I hate the guy. But... He did certain things right. He did the play-action fake very well. He did the fake draw run himself very well. He's not a quarterback. He's not a pro quarterback. The one problem with the Jets now is they have two quarterbacks that ranked in the bottom, I want to say, 25, from 25 down to 32 in NFL quarterbacks last year that started a minimum of, I want to say, eight games. You have two of them. 
where you could have turned around and kept Drew Stanton. And that's another one. Drew Stanton, he has every right. He demanded a trade. You sign him, you're going to be the backup for Mark Sanchez. We're not going to sign another quarterback. Uh, two days later, they trade for Tim Tebow. The, off, the, the, the organization is in shambles right now. I'm sorry to say, listen, you're the redheaded stepchild to the Giants right now, and you're probably going to be for a long time. The Giants got their stuff together. You guys look silly. You guys look really dumb. And on top of everything today, in the press conference with the Jets, Fatibo, uh, Rex Ryan, Tannebaum, Woody Johnson, none of them there. How do you do that? First of all, how do you have a how do you have a press conference for a backup quarterback? Number one. Number two, how do you have not one person in your front office there? Just to, even if you just say, "Listen, I'm just going to you know moderate mediate the whole thing," and this is going to you know. The, we're going to do this, and we're going to have this many talks and this many questions and this, and we're going to have our photo op. And They didn't do anything. They were all in meetings in Tampa, in Florida, for, for the NFL. You mean to say you can't pry yourself away for an hour and a half flight to come up here to Florham Park and just have your interview and have the press conference that you, you, rent, you took up the entire field house that they practice in to have this press conference, and none of you were there? If I'm if I'm this guy that's coming in, whoever it is, it could be San Antonio Holmes, it could be anybody. If I'm this guy and I look around, do you even want me here? Of course Tebow's gonna say the right things. You know, I'm blessed to be here, I'm gonna keep trying, I'm gonna do the right thing, I'm gonna keep getting better as a quarterback. Honestly, right now, he doesn't have to do anything else. Sanchez is the one who has to do everything. Sanchez has to back himself up and say, All right, I have to figure something out now. If it lights a fire under him and under his rear end and he decides that I'm going to start playing better, it's beneficial to the Jets and I'll look like an idiot. And that's fine. I'll reap the benefits as a Jets fan. But I've said it right now. If Tebow becomes the quarterback of this team and they win a division, I could care less. He's not a real quarterback. Not yet. He's a sideshow. And the Jets are playing this real well. As far as we're going to keep getting in these these sideshow towns. They just signed uh, LaRon Landry, which was a great pickup for them. He was on Washington last year. He got hurt for half the season. They signed him to a one-year deal laden with incentives, which is the way it should be. Make him perform, make him perform better. The Jets have done good things with one-year contracts on certain people, but this isn't a one-year deal. This is something that's for the long haul, apparently. And honestly, if I was the Jets, I wouldn't have even had the press conference. I would have looked for a way to trade him to Jacksonville, trade up in the draft. And then on the flip side of things, you look at it, if the Jets only had to give up a fourth and a sixth to him, maybe they couldn't have traded up in the draft. This is a trade I never would have done. I wouldn't have gotten involved in this. You're causing too much anarchy in the in the locker room. Cromartie came on record in saying Sanchez is our quarterback. And then he retracted his statements as only an NFL player could do, or as a sports player could do. Someone grabbed him on the shoulder and slapped him on the wrist and said, hey, you can't do that here. Again. Stop being a loudmouth. And he retracted his statements. I refuse to retract mine. Tebow's a terrible quarterback. Sanchez is a terrible quarterback. But if I'm starting a team and I want a pocket passer, and I have to choose between those two, I'll take Sanchez. Tebow's a good leader. He gets people fired up. This isn't college. 
He's not Newt Rockney. This isn't win one for the Gipper. This is this is New York. After a while, those things don't fly. So, that's my little soapbox on Tebow. I wish the Jets good luck with this. I really hope it works out well. I don't see it working out well. There's going to be too much turmoil. If you guys want to run an organization the right way, look no further than the team you share your stadium with. Share their stadium with, excuse me. Giants are a class organization. People may hate them, but they're class. They know what they're doing. And Rex needs to take a page out of Coughlin's book. Less is more. Rexy, less is more. Getting back to Peyton in Denver, the one fallout I see to all of this is the Andrew Luck scenario in Indy. And I watched the uh, the Robert Griffin uh, Pro Day, RG3. He was 53 of 55, or 53 of 57, where like two of the passes were even dropped by wide receivers that were right in their hands. The boy's got a cannon. He is fast. He's a right-handed Mike Vick. And... I feel if you really want to shake things up in Indy, you really want to just make everybody just bug out on this, draft RG3. Draft them. Don't take Andrew Luck. I understand you're looking at Andrew Luck and you're saying this is Peyton 2.0 and this is amazing and we can catch lightning in a bottle twice and this is going to be a great feeling for Indianapolis. We're going to rewrite history all over again with him and he's going to break all these records. I don't think so. I really don't. RG3 is going to do a lot in this league. The quarterback position is changing. The pocket passer, as much as I love the pocket passer, is starting to become very passe and fall to the wayside. The big thing now is a quarterback who can run but has a good arm now and accurate. And I say accurate because you could sit there and say, well, you're being a hypocrite. What about Tim Tebow? Tebow has a good arm, but it's not accurate. It's slow, and it's ineffective. It's big, but it's slow and ineffective. Whereas RG3 can run... He's a very good quarterback, if you've watched him. He always has his head up, and he's running. He's got two hands on the ball and a throwing motion at all times. The second he crosses that line of scrimmage, he's quick to tuck it in. He doesn't hold the ball like a loaf of bread like Mike Vick does. He'll tuck it in, and he'll run. And there's no outcry for him to be to be a wide receiver or a tight end like there is for Timmy T. But the difference between the two is I think RG3 can actually call a game. And if you look at Cam Newton, like I said, the quarterback role is, is an ever-evolving role, especially now, where you don't have to run the Wildcat to be quote-unquote different. You can have a quarterback like a Joe Webb in Minnesota. Uh, too bad they're starting Christian Ponder, but I, I like Joe Webb. Um... Looking at guys like along those lines, it's becoming readily apparent that we, every NFL team wants that speed threat at quarterback now. The game is getting faster. It, it has been for a while. Defense has gotten faster and faster and bigger. Well, actually taller, but not as wide as they used to be. You look at some of the, the clips from the 70s and 80s, you got guys that would just houses. They're not, it's not like that anymore. The days of Gilbert, of Gilbert Brown and Refrigerator Perry are over. Every linebacker, look at it this way, Brandon Jacobs is bigger than every linebacker in the NFL, and he's a running back. He's 6'5", 265. There's no linebacker in the league that's bigger than 6'5", 265. The game has gotten smaller and faster. 
Why not have a faster quarterback? Got to get away somehow. Indy does the right thing. They draft RG3. Completely change the entire face of that franchise. If you want to wash yourself of Peyton and just get away from that whole vibe, go opposite. Don't take a Peyton clone. Because he's not going to be as good as Peyton. And when he's not as good as Peyton, the only person, the only people that are going to be blamed is the, is the Indy front office. And Indy fans are passionate. They're going to turn on that team like that. We could have had Peyton for five more years. Why, didn't you, why did you get rid of him? Why did you let him go? Don't make that mistake. If you do, you're going to pay for it. Andrew Luck is going to be throwing to an empty, in front of an empty stadium. People are going to watch him, but the luster is going to wear off real quick if he doesn't win. Now, I know Peyton didn't win in his first year, but I think the Peyton upside was bigger than the Andrew Luck upside. People want to tout him to be the next best thing since sliced bread. That's terrific. I just don't see it. His arm is weak. Robert Griffin has a better arm. He's faster. He has better vision. The only thing he doesn't have over Andrew Luck is pedigree, number one. He went... Luck went to a quarterback college in Stanford. And Luck is taller. That's it. If you're smart, take RG3. Let Luck go to Washington. That's all I'm going to say. I was talking last week about the NFL jerseys. I gave a little teaser about it. Apparently... For the last year now, Nike has owned the rights to NFL equipment, which was Reeboks for the last 10 years. And as a jersey connoisseur, collector, aficionado, whatever you want to call me, I am petrified beyond belief when I heard this. Nike has already put out pro-combat gloves for every team and pro-combat cleats for every team. Now, the pro-combat gloves, if you get a chance and Google it, put in uh, 2012 Nike Pro Combat NFL gloves. And the gloves are, are actually kind of cool. They're the team colors, obviously. But when you put the gloves together, it, you know, palm to palm, you know, kind of make the diamond sign like Jay-Z. But if you, if you put them together, it makes the logo inside the palm of the team, which is kind of cool. I like that. What I don't like is the possible pro-combat NFL jerseys for each team. Now, there's been talk, and I've been reading a couple of things, that they're going to basically keep what every team has now. The only thing that's going to change is the Reebok logo is now going to be a Nike logo, obviously. But, if you've seen the last few years in college, Nike has taken over with pro-combat jerseys. If you get a chance, Google Maryland University pro-combat jerseys. Have something next to you that you can throw up into, because they're atrocious. The helmet was the Maryland flag. I'm just going to leave that at, at right there. So, they're starting to make prototypes that don't know if they're real. They may be photoshopped, they may be, they may be real and be leaked of teams, these pro-combat jerseys. Every team is going to get one. The word disgusting doesn't even come close to summarize what these jerseys look like. The Chicago Bears jersey is completely different. 
Think about the the great lineage of of NFL teams. The Cowboys, the Bears, Packers, Chiefs. Remember, the Chiefs were in the AFL. They were in Super Bowl one. The Raiders. Off the top of my head, that's the big five. The Giants, the Browns, yes. They're changing these teams' jerseys. A few years back, they actually tried to make a, a, a jersey... A third jersey for certain teams. If I remember correctly, the, the Raiders and the, pa- the Patriots both had silver. The Vikings had this disgusting yellow. I'm sorry, Phil, but I don't know if you like those jerseys or not, but those jerseys were terrible. The Saints had that mustard gold color from their helmets as the jersey. The Giants had the red jerseys. They didn't take well. Certain teams did. The Philadelphia Eagles actually brought in the black jersey and they were sick. I love that jersey. But a lot of these teams just turned around and said, no, we're not doing this. But now Nike is basically forcing the hand. They're saying, no, you have to do this. Google the Jacksonville Jaguars jersey. It's got leopard print up the sides. It's got a spray-painted number on the front. Listen, if I'm a, there's not many of them, but if, if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, I don't want to see my team looking like steroid transvestites. And that's exactly what they would look like. The Jets jerseys are black. They brought back the J-E-T-S across the top of the helmet, which is sweet. But the jerseys are black. The only time the Jets had black in their jerseys as a predominant, like, as a dominant feature was in 92-93 when they had black face masks. That's it. And black around the numbering. The whole jersey is going to be black. The Giants jersey, it's royal blue through, from head to toe. The Denver Broncos look like Boise State. Because they brought back the old D with the Bronco inside of it. But they made the jerseys white and blue. There's not many jerseys. Oh, and the best one is the San Francisco 49ers, who you think of as the 49ers in the gold rush. They're going to go back to the 60s when they had no gold in their helmets, and they're going to make them silver. Really? As a football purist, that's disgusting. Shame on you. Shame on Nike if this really happens. So for that, stay tuned. April 3rd, probably going to be on the NFL Network to get a chance to get a glimpse and go online also and take a look at that. But that's really it for this week. I went a little late on my time, but I had a couple of things I had to get to. It's time for Plugola. You can catch me on InsidePulse.com, on iTunes, search Tattoos and Touchdowns, on Twitter, at Tats, T-A-T-T-S, N underscore T-D-S. Uh, you can email me, tattoos and, t- and touchdowns at AOL.com. I'm on Facebook, as always. I'm on Buzzsprout, buzzsprout.com backslash 4990.rss. That's for my direct feed. And soon, hopefully, I'm going to be on sportsidio.com. I'm still waiting on that one to get the okay to go ahead and post on there. It's ever-evolving and ever-changing, so... The more I can, the more people I can talk to, the more feedback I get, the more feedback I get, the better the show gets, and the listening experience for you is a very sweet and beautiful half hour. Last but certainly not least, my boy Phil Rea, uh, two podcasts for him, the Will and Phil Awful podcast, and In the Dog Pound, with obviously Phil Rea. He is my wrestling guru, and he's just an overall good guy, and just give him a listen. He's on, he's on Twitter. He, uh, I think it's uh, at Dog Pound Phil Rea. If I'm wrong, Phil, yell at me. Tell me I'm wrong. He's on iTunes. He's on Facebook. He's everywhere. He's everywhere you want to be. To use an old uh, 
advertising ad. Give him a listen. He will be on my show soon. Or what I may do is I may actually just record with him and put out a double episode. I am going to be back on later on this week, on Thursday, to touch on NCAA, touch on basketball, uh, the NBA, going to touch on baseball starting up soon, and the disappointment of Jabba Chamberlain now. It's such a shame. And I'm going to talk a little bit of hockey. So on Thursday, I will be back to talk everything but football. Fans rejoice. Guys, have a great three days until I speak to you again. Enjoy. Keep the comments coming. I love you all, and I'll talk to you later.